Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sana Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Memphis, Tennessee. It's your boy, Jared J.B. Boyd from the Daily Memphian and NPR's Bill Street Caravan. I am in the building with the queen, the woman, the best, the most magnificent, exuberant, lovely, creative Ina Esco at the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hey, it's Megan Motley with Goodness Gracious Cookies and host of the virtual baking summer camp for kids. And I'm hanging with Ina Esco with the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hi, I'm Eric Hennigan, and I'm verbally effective because I'm a native Memphian, a product of my environment, and I give back to my community. Eric Hennigan is a proud native Memphian and the passionate community advocate. He earned his bachelor's in business management from Southern University and has gone on to receive his master's degree in leadership and certification in human resources from Bellhaven University. He has held engaged positions with organizations such as the Greater Memphis Chamber of Commerce and has been an avid advocate for collaboration, growth, and workforce development. Eric currently serves as chair of the Shelby County Mayor's Young Professionals Council vice chair of the Fraser Community Schools Board of Directors, a mentor for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Mid-South, and an active member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. He also is owner of a consulting firm, Presidential South Management. Eric and his wife Amanda enjoy traveling, catching the latest box office releases in theaters, and trying new restaurants, and spending time with family. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Verbally Effective Podcast. We are here at episode 128. Can you guys believe it? We made it even in the midst of a pandemic. We are still grinding it out with the Verbally Effective Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and even put a review out there on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Spreaker, SoundCloud, any podcast platform, we are on there. Make sure you guys subscribe. Today I have with me a very well-decorated gentleman. His name is Eric Hennigan, and he is the chair of the Shelby County Mayor's Young Professional Council. He's the vice chair of the Fraser Community Schools. He's a mentor with Big Brothers and Big Sisters, a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity, and the owner of Presidential South Management. What's up, Mr. Hennigan? How are you, Eric? What's going on, Double E, Nina Esco? Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to finally 
finally Yay. be here on Verbally Effective Podcast. This is uh this is, you know, a dream come true, honestly. It's a dream come true, Eric. Well, we are happy you are with us today. I know, you know, over the last couple of years, we've been talking about getting you on the pod. And today is your day to share your journey right. with right. so many people. So, Eric, we're going to start at the beginning. What part of Memphis are you from? So, you know, everybody knows this by now. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, specifically Frazier, you know, that's right. that's my hood. Yes. Yeah, that's my hood. Most of my family still lives there. And, you know, uh, a lot of the living and learning of those Bay Area streets, you know, that that's how, you know, I got to where I am now. That's why I go so hard for my community. You know, I grew up in a single parent home and, you know, my mom, she had me when she was 17. So mm-hmm. I didn't develop a, a real good relationship with my dad until, you know, I was an adult. And, right. you know, that's why I go so hard now. You know, I could have easily been a statistic and could have went down the wrong path. But, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be a better man and, and, you know, share some of those examples and set some of those examples. Um, you know, I saw a lot of different things in my neighborhood. So I had to be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being from Frazier, that's tough. And, you know, you had to grow up fast. So, you know, I started working when I was 14 and, and wow. you know, here I am now trying to do big things so you are doing big things eric you started working when you were 14 what was your first job yeah so i started working at the city of memphis youth initiative under uh mayor harrington i i I know a lot of people probably remember that you know when you turn 14 you get a chance to work during the summer Mm -hmm. and the whole summer my eighth grade year i was working at the fairgrounds on the track just kind of cleaning up and mentoring young kids and that's when I really started to develop, you know, a really good work ethic and and understand the value of hard work and the value of a dollar, honestly, because I was getting paychecks. So, you know, that's when my journey started. Wow. And you know what? Like, you know, you started working at 14. You said most 14 year olds get a summer job. And I'm experiencing that right now with my 15 year old because he has his first job right now. And I am trying to make him understand the importance of a dollar as you mentioned, <laughs> and absolutely, it's some lessons being learned with that, Eric, I tell you. However, let's talk about, you know, what, what were you involved in in school, Eric, when you were, let's say, middle school, high school? What kind of activities were you heavily involved in? So I, I got to go back and kind of tell you a quick story. Okay. All right. So, you know, I went to Frazier Elementary from mm-hmm. kindergarten through fifth grade. And, you know, I was always an athlete. Um, they changed the school zones my sixth grade year. So I had to transition to Grandview Elementary my sixth grade year. And while I was there, some of the kids kept talking about going to snow. And again, you know, I'm from Frazier, so I never heard of it. And I'm like, you know, what's an optional program? You know, you, you have to understand me coming from Frazier. It was understood that you would go to Frazier High. So I had my mom. Uh, she got me into Snowden. So I went there for seventh and eighth grade, and I ran track. Um, so I've always been an athlete, you know, I played basketball at Air Rice Community Center growing up, mm-hmm. you know, again, I ran track in middle and high school. So athletics has always been my ticket to the next level, even in college, you know, I was awarded a track scholarship to Southern University in Baton Rouge, wow. but you know, yeah, for, tra- for me, track, it taught me a lot of life lessons, mm. you know, uh, discipline, you know, perseverance, commitment. Um, my high school coach, shout out to Coach Roberts, one of the best coaches in the city and in the state. 
Um, you know, he always taught us, and this is something that we said before every track meet, pain is temporary, pride is forever. Mm. And that's something that I still, you know, remember to this day. And that's something that I kind of live by. So growing up, you know, that was my life. You know, I was an athlete. I still am. So yeah, because I, I see you often uh, running and, and posting on your socials. So you were very involved in track. What what events did you run in track, Eric? So for me, it was a little different. I received a dual scholarship in um, college, and I ran cross country in the fall and track in the spring. They're considered two different sports. So in track, I ran the 800 and the 1500, the mile in high school, and then in college, it's considered the 1500. Um, and I ran cross country in the fall. So I, w- I was what you would call a mid-distance runner. Mid-distance. You have to have, you know, you have to be very healthy to endure those distances, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to be in shape. And, and that's something that I do now. Right now, I probably run about three or four times a week. Um, I work out in the weight room. Right now, you know, you can't go to the gym, so I had to cancel my gym membership. Mm-hmm. And I'm working out in my garage and it's a lot easier for me because I can just come home, you know, go straight to the garage and work out. But for me, staying in shape is a way of life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, at one point I remember and you can easily get out of shape, right? You can right. easily get off track. And I remember one time I couldn't button my pants up. I'm like, oh, my God. You must have so fell off for a minute. I fell all the way off. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get back to it. So. You know, for me, working out, it makes you feel good. Um, You know, it gives you a lot of more confidence. And, you know, it's just something that's needed, especially in the African-American community. We Mm -hmm. have to promote, you know, being more healthy. Um, And that's something that I try to, you know, push out. I know I'm doing it, but it's important for me to kind of let other people know, hey, you can get out here and run. You can eat healthy, drink your water. You could do it, too. So that's just part of something that I like doing is just motivating people. Yes, and you know what, running, uh, that's good you're still running right now and working out and have developed a routine even at your home because we are quarantining and I'm seeing a lot of people on social media develop these routines and, you know, just come up with creative ways to keep in shape and just do things differently but at the house now. So I think that's great that you are still doing that. And you know, with COVID-19 right now, it impacts your respiratory system so being in shape right now and you know just preparing your body and your immune system to fight off this invisible threat we really know nothing about is important right absolutely and the one thing about it is is what you just said it's educating yourself about what's going on um, you need to practice uh, safe social distancing, make sure, making sure you wash your hands, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just taking care of yourself. Right. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're watching the news. We're seeing what's going on. I think right now what we can do to stay safe is make sure we're practicing those things mm-hmm. and protecting others. Wear your mask. Right. Yeah. Something as simple as that. Who thought that that would have so much controversy? But. You know, a lot of people have a problem with it. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. I know, right? Like, just put your mask on. Don't come by me. Now, speaking of social distancing, how has that been working out for you? Like, you know, because we still have to get out and take care of essential needs. Um, 
you know, I, I understand you're wearing your mask and I, I've just been seeing so much on social media with people still out and about as if we are not under a pandemic and it's so scary right. to me. Like right. it is. It is. And you know, you're absolutely right. It's scary to me too. I, I've been seeing it, you know, people going to the bars, the clubs, mm-hmm. you know, having social gatherings and you know, it's it it's scary to me and I try to pray for everyone, and for me, on a personal standpoint, I try to keep my distance, honestly. I haven't seen a lot of my friends in person. We've been FaceTiming or just talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, groceries, I call and pick them up. I haven't been inside the grocery store. If I go to a restaurant, I'm picking up food and yeah. leaving. I have on my mask. Um, my wife and I, we really haven't been going to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I go visit my family, I'm literally sitting in a car talking to my mom while she's, you know, on the porch Mm. and I haven't been inside her house since March. So I'm trying to stay protective of myself, my family, my friends. I'm just trying to do my part. And I think that's the part that everybody has to understand. As long as you can do your part, we should be able to get over this thing a lot sooner. And, you know, that's easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, as we can see, it's easier said than done because the cases in Shelby County are going up day by day. But, hey, this is our new normal, so we're going to have to get acclimated to it. But let's back up a bit. Let's back up back to your story, honey. Let's go back to uh, when you graduated from high school. How did you choose um, the college that you attended? What what, what came in uh, mind when you made your choice for college? So my senior year, I was heavily recruited in track and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had UT Knox in mind. I had Tennessee State University in mind. Um, Christian Brothers offered me a scholarship and I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, So my junior year, one of my teammates ended up going to Southern. He was a senior and he called me, you know, this is my senior year uh, right before a track meet, uh, a cross country meet actually. And he said, hey, man, you need to come to Southern. And I was like, you know, what's Southern? And he was like, listen, I got the coach on the phone. He want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? So, you know, I get on the phone. I talk to the coach. He's like, son, I want you to come here. Uh, you know, I've been recruiting you. I've been looking at your times. I think you'll be a great addition to the team. And I was like, all right, let's 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 go with it. So I was able to find out a little bit more about the school. Um, and one of my teachers in high school actually uh, went to Southern as well, and I didn't know much about it. So I would talk to her about it and say, you know, tell me a little bit more about Southern. You know, I don't know anything about it. And she had books, you know, she had brochures, and she was able to just really give me that one-on-one uh, talk about, you know, Southern. And for me, you know, Louisiana was a whole nother world, you know, yeah. and Southern is that. Southern is an HBCU, and I tell people all the time, my college years was the best time of my life, and I wouldn't know. trade that experience for the world. Mm-hmm. But Louisiana, <laughs> man, it was a culture shock for me. You know, Louisiana is rich in culture, yeah. um, and it, it's like they have their own world. You know, the food, the way they talk, the way they party. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the farthest away from home I had ever been, so I was introduced to a new world in college. Wow, yes, uh, Louisiana is definitely different, but I know you enjoyed that food, though, because they have the best 
food, a Creole, yes. yummy, yes. yummy. <laughs> yes. One time I actually spent uh, Thanksgiving with my teammate. I wasn't able to come home as much because I ran track. We were always traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so one time I spent Thanksgiving with my roommate. And I'm thinking, you know, we're about to come in and have greens, turkey and dressing, you know, the regular <laughs> but. They had crab legs, yes. shrimp etouffee. They, I mean, it was just so different. I was like, oh, my God, I cannot eat all this food. But it was so good. And, you know, like I say, you know, Louisiana is my second home, honestly, and I love it down there. Yes, I do, too. I have a lot of family in Louisiana. Um, and and I know you also pledged uh, Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. So how did you make that decision, Eric? Becoming a pretty so, boy. <laughs> shout out to the noobs. Um, that's something that I always wanted to do. And, you know, in college, since I was an athlete, I didn't have a lot of time to do that in college. So when I came home after I graduated, you know, I continued to do my research and I was able to, uh, you know, pledge and be a part of the Memphis alumni chapter here in Memphis. So okay. that's just a long time coming, you know, something that I've always wanted to do. And it was the right choice for me. And, uh, you know, you see me out now and I'm throwing the yo. Yes, yes, you throwing the yo up. I see you. I see you, Eric. Okay, so <laughs> when you graduated college, what was going through your mind, Eric? What did you want to do in life? You know, what was your goals at that moment? So I have to tell you a little bit before I graduated okay. because it, it kind of sets up my transition. So for me, you know, being a student athlete, that was a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyone that had to balance academics and athletics would tell you that, you know, it's not easy, not at all. You know, I, I had a dual scholarship, so I was competing year round. We were always on the road, practicing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved running. It was fun for me. Um, but, you know, again, for all the fun that I had, college was a true test and everything wasn't always great. There were so many distractions in college, you know, parties, females, class stress, and, you know, everything that a college student goes through. So my junior year, I started dealing with depression. And, you know, it was a lot of things going on at home. Um, and I had a lot of pressure of being a student athlete and really just trying to, you know, see what my life was going after graduation. Mm-hmm. And it got me, you know, I was burnt out. You know, I stopped going to class. Uh, you know, I was given 50% or less at the track. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was literally done, you know. I was finished. And, you know, needless to say, I flunked out of school. No. And, yes, my senior year, I lost my scholarship, and I had to tell my mom, you know. And that was a tough conversation because she was disappointed at first. But, you know, my mom, I have to credit her because, she was able to raise my sister and I to become productive citizens in today's society um, and always promoted me to be a hard worker. Mm -hmm. So she encouraged me to get back on my feet. And, you know, the situation was rough. You know, I had to make some pretty hard decisions, but it was a lesson for me. You know, for one, depression is real, you know, especially in the black community. You know, we need to be able to identify you know, and find a support system so that you can deal with it. And that's something that I was, uh, you know, I benefited from by having my family there. And, you know, one of the other things is whenever you fall, you got to get back up and keep striving. Yes. You know, I was, 
I was so used to winning, you know, um, you know, I was winning awards, you know, at track meets, you know, I was always popular. Um, you know, I always, you know, talk to the ladies, you know, I was a ladies man and, and, and this was all new to me because I failed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get back up. You know, I, I started waiting tables and working at finish line part time and, I, you know, save my money and start paying my bills and going to school. And my senior year, I ended up making the dean's list and I graduated. Look at you. You got right back on up and got into it. Yes. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're sharing, um, you know, your bout with depression with the verbally effective audience because they need to hear it. They need to know it's real out here and people go through it. But like you said, you had a good support system to get back on your feet. And a lot of people don't have a support system. And, right. you know, they don't know how to navigate. So you you were one of the lucky ones, Eric, to be able to get back on your feet and finish on the Dean's list. Absolutely. And I recognize that. And that's part of the reason why I go so hard for the community now, because I was once that little kid who made it out of a small window of opportunity. Like I said before, I could have easily been a statistic. My mom had me when she was 17. I grew up in a single parent household Mm -hmm. and I was able to make it out this small window. So for me as a man, as a black man, Mm -hmm. I want to open that window a little bit more. You know, I want to make it a doorway. So some of these kids can just walk through. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's part of why we're here on this earth is to serve yes. right that's that's why we're here if if serving is beneath you then leading is beyond you okay. and that's something that i look at that's true eric that is so true and people don't understand that ego gets in the way uh mm-hmm. you know just so many things but i'm glad you you stated those words now when you graduated what was, what was going on eric <laughs> tell me what happened so you know i'm in louisiana i graduate and you know i'm like okay college is done and i keep in mind we had just elected a black president in 2008 oh, yeah. and i graduated in the midst of a recession so here i am again I'm fighting this uphill battle. Uh, so I moved back to Memphis at the beginning of 2009 and I couldn't find a job. Mm. You know, I, I, I started back waiting tables again and, mm-hmm. you know, I would go on interview after interview for about six months. And then I finally got hired at Regions Bank call center. And, you know, I started as a call center agent and then they promoted me to a on the job trainer where I would train all of the new agents. Ironically, you know, all of that customer service and experience that I gained since I was 14, it helped me uh, become more skilled at showing empathy, you know, being polite, respectful, and also just being knowledgeable about a specific product. So the company put me on a, a leadership team and, you know, I was able to lead my team to something called the Gallup Champions Directors Award. A lot of people may not uh, be familiar with what Gallup is, but it's a huge survey company. And this was pretty big because this award was presented to teams who have, you know, exceptional customer service and professionalism. And this was the first time that someone in the Memphis location received this award. So I did well there and I stayed there for about three and a half years. Wow. So you were shining, shining bright at, you know, during your entry into your career world. And I I know that you've had quite a few other positions 
and worked for a few different companies in the midst of all of that. And, you know, you've received so many awards, Eric. Uh, just reading over your bio, um, you have been recognized for quite a few, quite a few achievements over your years on this earth. And one of the things that stands out the most to me is some of your community-focused organizations that you are involved in. You're uh, the Youth Development Chair for the Memphis Urban League Young Professionals. You're a mentor with the Memphis Grizzlies. You're an alumni of the New Memphis Institute Embark Program. So why do you have such a strong sense of community, Eric? You know, what has shaped your world? I, I know you mentioned, you know, you growing up and, you know, having to, you know, be the man of the house early and things of that nature. But tell me more about some of your community-focused organizations you're involved in. Yeah, so, you know, for me, I have love for the community. That's that's a passion of mine. That's something that I feel very strongly about. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I moved back to Memphis after graduation. I could have easily moved to Houston. Um, I was thinking about moving to L.A., but I said, you know, I'm going to go back home. I see nothing but opportunity, and that's how I felt. I feel like, you know, I have a degree, right? I can go back home. I can use this degree to benefit my my city. You know, why not bring my talent back home? And that's something that, you know, I strongly felt at that time. So when I moved back home, you know, things were a little different for me. And I've always had an entrepreneur spirit. So I started a clothing line called Brand Name Clothing. Some people may remember that. Um, my vision for brand name was just to raise funds by selling clothes so that I can host community events. Mm. So we would sell t-shirts, you know, sweatshirts, hats, you know, I had an online website and, you know, from those funds, I was able to start this back to school drive called Supplies to Succeed. And I hosted it in Frazier at Air Rice Community Center. And that's when it really kind of started. I did it for two years. My first year, we had about 75 kids to show up. Uh, my second year hosting it, we had about 200 kids to show up. And also, at the time, Mayor A.C. Warden came to speak. So, you know, later I was recognized by the Commercial Appeal for those efforts. And, you know, I received the Jefferson Award for Community Service, which is a, a national community service award. Um, and, you know, so the business did fairly well. You know, for my first business experience, it lasted for about three years. Um, we were sold in stores at a downtown boutique called Caper Shade, which was black owned. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I wanted to do, you know, raise money so I can do stuff for the community. That's really where it started for me. And, you know, simultaneously, I was able to mentor uh, with the Grizzlies at Power Center Academy. Um, and I also served as the youth mentoring development chair for the Memphis Urban League Young Professionals. And, you know, that's when everything started to click. You know, I said, you know, I can really do this. You know, this is something easy for me. It's something that I have a passion for and I like doing it. And you're helping people at the same time. Yeah. So for me, that that's that's where it all started. And, you know, here here we are now, you know, a couple of years later. And, you know, I'm doing bigger and better things involved in a lot of other organizations, uh, putting in time. I'm now mentoring with the Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Mid-South. Um, mm -hmm. I'm serving as chair for the Shelby County Marriage and Professional Council. Um, those are, you know, where I am now, you know, serving on the board for Frazier Community Schools. But I started, you know, back 
you know, with the Urban League, the Memphis Grizzlies, doing a school drive on my own, you know, trying to make money with my clothing line. You know, everything was just grassroots, but that's part of my journey. You know, I was able to take something that was a dream, right, that was really small and, you know, develop that into where I am now. So that's just part of the journey. Right. And, you know, within your journey and within you know, these days and times, you know, you are a black man out here, you know, putting the work in in your community. And I know you've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, Eric. And, you know, these are different times we're living in right now. And, you know, you're heavily connected with the youth. And as a black man, you know, what are some of the conversations that you have with the youth today about, you know, being a black man in America today? So it's funny you ask that. Um, my current mentee, uh, which is my little brother, is what they call the term in Big Brother's Big Sister. You have, you know, little brothers and little sisters. So my mentee and little brother, I had a conversation with him last week about this. And I asked him, you know, how are you feeling? You know, I know it's a lot of stuff on the news, you know, and things that you may have been hearing. And it's it's a difficult conversation to have mm-hmm. with a child about what's going on. And and I can't, for me, I don't like delivering bad news. So I try to focus on the positive things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I ask them, you know, what are you and your friends doing? You know, and most of the time they're just kind of playing the game online because uh, you can't see them. They haven't been in school. So they've just been kind of FaceTime and talking on the phone. The same thing, honestly, that we have been able to do. So. You know, that conversation is something difficult, but something that I do tell them is, you know, hey, listen, we're going to make it through. We're going to get out of this. But what I want you to do is make sure that you keep your head up and you are always respectable. Like before the pandemic, when we were able to go out to the Grizzlies games and the Tigers games, you know, I would tell them, hey, pull your pants up. Make sure you look somebody in the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I introduce him to somebody, I'm like, no, nah, shake his hand, grip it. You know, make sure you have a firm handshake. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the small things that I was able to tell him. Like he told me he lost his wallet, right? So I had to go buy him a new wallet. And, you know, it's just those small things that I feel that kids will remember. And, you know, when they're out by themselves, you know, that he, he may be saying, hey, Mr. Eric told me to do this. So I got to make sure mm-hmm. that this is what I'm doing. And, you know, right now with, you know, so much racial injustice going on in our community and in the country, it's important for African-American males such as myself to be a mentor, to reach out to those young brothers, Mm -hmm. to hold their hand, to let them know, hey, you can cry on my shoulder. It's going to be okay. These are the things that I have a, a personal responsibility to do. And I encourage all of the other african-american males to do the same there's so many kids out there that don't have you know someone to look up to i i didn't build a relationship with my father until i was in my 30s so it was a long time for me to you know just harness in on that that hate that i had in my heart because it was a part of me missing but as I matured and growed up, I was able to understand, you know, circumstances and, you know, things happen, right? So I was able to to forgive and forget. 
and learn how to build those lasting relationships with my father. But some of those kids, they don't have that luxury. Their father may be locked up. Their father may be deceased, you know, or they just don't want to be a part of their lives. And that wasn't the case um, in my situation. So, again, I was one of the lucky ones. So that's why I go so hard and try to give my time. Because some of these kids, you know, they're, they're just not fortunate enough to have that. That's true. And, and time is one of the most precious commodities that we have. It is the most precious commodity, uh, putting that time in. And, you know, you mentioned that you and your father, um, sounds like you guys reconnected when you were much older. Um, how did that relationship begin to build Eric because I, I, I've been listening to what you've been saying and it seems like you didn't grow up with him and you guys reconnected how did you begin to build a bond with your father I have to be honest I give that credit to my wife you know my wife understood how hurt I was um you know of course you know I'm always happy you know I'm always cheerful you know I'm, I'm out and about networking you know, moving around, being social, but it was always a part of me that only my wife saw, mm -hmm. and she saw the hurt. She saw how, you know, just mad I would get when I would talk about my father, mm -hmm. and, you know, she said, you should go talk to him. You know, I was like, nah, nah, I ain't talking to him. I don't want to talk to him, and, you know, it wasn't like that we didn't have any type of relationship but we didn't have a strong relationship like you know I could count on one hand how many times I talked to him from me being a kid all the way up into college mm -hmm. it was it was you know it was that many right so I remember we had just got married I turned 30 and Father's Day was coming around and she was like you know you really should call your dad you know you should have this conversation with him and just get it over with and move on, you know. Mm -hmm. And the same conversation I just told you, she was like, a lot of people, you know, their father's not here. So, you know, you need to, you know, build that relationship while he's still here. Yeah. And, you know, for a minute, you know, I, I fought with it. You know, I didn't want to do it, but she was right. Yeah. You know, she was absolutely right. And, you know, for Father's Day, I called him and we ended up having lunch. And we just kind of let it all out and talked about it, talked about the situation. You know, he was apolo uh, apologizing for a lot of things. And, you know, I accepted that. And I said, you know, I didn't, I couldn't imagine how it would have been for me to be 17, eight year, 18 years old and having a kid. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't put that blame all the way on him and I couldn't fault him. Um, because he, he was right there in front of me and he's saying, look, son, you know, I messed up. I'm here now, you know, let's, let's, let's build. Yeah. And so I couldn't just deny that. Right. Yeah. I couldn't just be like, nah, I don't want to talk to you. I'm gone. Right? right. So I was able to build a relationship with him and, you know, we're tight to this day. Um, that's my guy, you know, um, I help him out as much as I can. You know, he's always, uh, calling or texting me and, you know, just saying how proud of, of me, uh, he is and Aww. you know our relationship is definitely different from you know how it was but I have to give my wife that credit she was able to really encourage me to build that relationship that's beautiful you got a good wife Eric because you know <laughs> she saw that you needed that and and that is so good that she encouraged you 
to pursue that relationship. So uh, kudos to your Absolutely. wife. We're going to shout out your wife right now. Yes. Yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out my wife, Amanda. Um, Amanda. I, I know that she's going to be listening to this. And, yes. Uh, she's an AKA, your, your, your Sora. Sora so, Amanda. You know, yes, honey. You, right. saw, you saw your husband needed that in his life and you stepped <laughs> in like a good wife and you showed him the way. Yes, Sora yep. Amanda. Yes, yep. I love it, Eric. I love it. <laughs> Now, Eric, I heard a guy say uh, uh -huh. one time, he was like, look, you know, when you settle down, get you an AKA. That's right. You see why? Don't play. <laughs> Don't play. But you know what? The thing about marriage and having a spouse that can, that knows their partner and knows what they need to make them whole again. So, you know, I, I, I salute Amanda because she saw that and I'm sure that, you know, you and your father, you guys are more whole today because of you reconnecting. So, yeah, that right. is beautiful. You know, and that's that's part of marriage, you know. Yeah. Um, marriage is all about growth. It's you give and you, you get, right? Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand about mm -hmm. marriage. It's something that you have to work on every day. A lot of work. And... You know, she could have easily, before we got married, you know, she could have easily saw me as this broken guy who had went through a lot. Mm -hmm. And she could have been like, I don't want nothing to do with that. But what she was able to do was, you know, bring something to the table to help me. And, you know, I was able to do the same for her in some situations. And she was able to help me with that. And, you know, I really love her for that because, you know, without her, you know, I probably wouldn't have been able to build a relationship with my father, but that's how yeah. important, you know, your spouse, you know, should be in a marriage, you know, you should be able to compliment each other and support each other, have each other's back. And, you know, yeah. especially in the black community, we have to be able to uplift, you know, our black women. And, you know, that's why I always try to give her the credit because she helped me with a lot of things. That's true. And you know what, your, your very situation it reminds me of me and my husband, Jamie, because um, I went through a lot with my mother growing up. Like my father got custody of me at the age of 16 because um, my mother was married to a very abusive man and he began abusing yeah. me and my brother. And my father oh, wow. got custody of us and, you know, I was just so angry and so heartbroken about the situation and um you know when I met my husband told him my story and everything but he always encouraged me to communicate with my mom he was like you know I hear what you're saying Ina but that is your mom you have to right. have a relationship with your mom so you know yeah. I, I I totally empathize with your entire situation so Salute Amanda, Sora Amanda, salute your dad, salute you, Eric. So you look, you got me yep. in my feelings right now, man. Come on now. Come on, I gotta it's be verbally effective. Yes, that is true, Eric. That is true. And you know what? Since we speaking about marriage, <laughs> uh -oh. let's talk about something that's been highlighted in the media, but it seems like they're they're like making fun and uh talking about yay to their bad marriage i'm talking about jada and will smith eric have you heard yeah. about what happened with this entanglement situation the entanglement <laughs> <laughs> you 
You know, I, I don't I don't try to speak on other people's situation, but this particular instance, you know, everybody lives their lives different, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's marriage is different. You know, yeah. uh, my marriage is, is different from your marriage. Your marriage may be different from someone else. You know, Will and Jada's marriage is, is different from someone else, right? Um, I feel like this, though. Whatever works for them is for them, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that you have to work on. And I know for them, um, because me being a fan of Will Smith, uh, he's definitely a, a black man that I look up to. I know that that situation is not easy for him. You could tell you know, you, by his facial expressions, his whole demeanor. Yeah. He looked like he had been crying at the red table. Absolutely. You know, but a lot of times, especially in marriage, you know, you have to let your pride go, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you commit to those vows, you know, uh, for better or for worse, that means something. And for him to, like you said, you saw it in his face, for him to sit there and be able to take that, a lot of guys wouldn't be able to, to withstand that. No. You know, a lot of guys, they they would be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I salute Will. Um, and, you know, who knows what have happened before. So, you know, I'm not saying Jada's a bad woman. I think she's a great uh, black woman. Um, but I think in that particular situation, it's something that, that they had to go through. And for them to sit on national television to mm. air that out, right. both of them are very strong individuals and they are confident in themselves and their relationship. Um, so I, I salute both of them for just sharing that moment uh, with us, you know, and I was able to talk with my wife about that as well. We had a conversation and, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, it's something, you know, like I said, marriage is something that you have to work on every day. Right. And you know what? We've been talking about Will and Jada's marriage for a while. I mean, we've been hearing rumors about them having open relationships, blase, blase. You never know really and truly what's going on unless they share it with you. So this whole entanglement situation, it sounds like, you know, they, they took a break. Will was mad at Jada for some reason. We still don't know. And she had an entanglement with August Alcina. But did you see how Will said Jada entanglement really a relationship. He made her say a relationship because she's a wordsmith now. She was not going to break it down. She was going to keep right. on being wordy with entanglement. But one of the things to me that came out of this is I've seen on social media with this whole Jada and Will situation, I've seen so many men just really like livid about it. Like if I was Will, I would have did this because oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, in society, you know, men, I would say, can get away with with the cheating part. Like, a woman will forgive a man. However, when the tables are turned, as in this situation, Jada publicly admitting that she had a relationship with another man and her husband right there sticking by her side, you hardly ever see this scenario, right? So, (laughs) this was a little different to me. Like, just, just seeing the feedback and reactions from men with this because they like I would have did this I would have I'm like mm-hmm. you don't know what you would have did <laughs> you're absolutely right you know and and that's why again I have to uplift our black queens because women are so strong mm-hmm. you know black women 
women are really strong and, and I and I recognize that all the way back from how my mom, you know, raised me. You know, she raised my sister and I by herself and, you know, I saw the struggle. I saw how strong she was. I saw some of the things that she had to go through. I saw her working every day. So you're absolutely right. A lot of things that, you know, us men put women through, if the tables <clears throat> are reversed, you know, sometimes we may not be able to handle that, you know, yeah. emotionally, right? And, you know, that's a lesson for all men and women at the same time, you know. But at the end of the day, I just feel like you have to respect each other. And if the respect is there, then you can get over anything. If, yeah. You know, when the love is there and it's something genuine and you know that you have something worth fighting for, then, you know, both of you may have some type of mistakes that you make, but, you know, if you can work through them and get over it, then that's something that that's worth lasting and worth keeping. I know that's right. Tell them, Eric. Tell them, Mr. Him again. <laughs> now, Eric, okay, we're going to kind of switch gears a minute. Uh, you are the owner of Presidential South Management. Can you tell everybody about your business, Eric? Yeah, so Presidential South Management, I started that company after I graduated with my master's degree. And, you know, again, I've always had an entrepreneur spirit. I started a company uh, fresh out of college. So what I wanted to do with PSM is create a space for me to use all of my skills, right? All of my project management skills, all of my consulting skills. You know, I had learned all of these things over the years. So I figured that I could use them to my advantage. Fast forward now, I've done work with several companies here in Memphis. Lamar Owen College, 100 Black Men of Memphis, Olympic Training Institute, Box Lot, the city of Memphis, just to name a few. Um, so, you know, that's something that I wanted to create and really, you know, use everything that I've learned to, you know, move myself forward. Uh, one of the things that I was able to create was an event called Guys Night Out. Mm -hmm. And Guys Night Out is a quarterly networking event uh, that we host at different locations around the city. What I wanted to do was create just a, you know, an experience of leisure for guys to connect and fellowship and, you know, I would meet all these people. And I said to myself, you know, we, you know, we, we need to know each other. You know, we need to build these relationships because that leads to business deals. That yeah. leads to group economics, you know, and that eventually leads to wealth. Um, and with that event, it became very successful. And I said to myself, I can take this a step further. Um, so what I did was I partnered with big brothers, big sisters of the Mid-South to help them recruit male mentors at my events. And that was something that I was able to uh, do with bringing my business side and my community involvement side and combine them and everybody wins, right? So at my events, you can not only have a drink, network with guys, but you can also sign up to become a mentor if you want to. And, you know, I was kind of sad this year because COVID prevented us to do any events. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that I was able to do was host a virtual 5K, you know, and yeah. that was recently. And I wanted to build awareness around the sort, uh, shortage of male mentors. Um, I had seen all these different races go virtual. And I was like, you know, we can do the same thing. Uh, so I spoke with the executive director, Susan George, and she loved the idea. Um, she mentioned it to the board and, you know, we were able to get it rolling. And those are just 
small examples of what I'm able to do with presidential self-management. It gives me a space to be creative. It gives me a space to do my consulting work, to utilize my project management skills. And, you know, it really helps me develop into a better leader. So um, that's something that I've been continuing to grow. And you will continue to see things from, you know, presidential self-management as well. Yeah. And and I bet you've developed some long lasting relationships with with men, with having your guys night out and just, you know, really finally meeting some of the the men you probably communicate with via social media or you know have been introduced in the past so i think that's really great eric what you're doing with presidential south management and creating mentors for young men out here they need it absolutely need it so much yes i appreciate it now Let's talk about this upcoming election, Eric, real quick. You know, <laughs> early voting begins on Friday in Tennessee, yes. and we have a very tense political climate right now. Um, you know, President Trump is in office, and of course he is running again, and Biden is our Democratic nominee, and we still don't know who he's choosing for his VP as of yet. He did mention it will be a woman, so I'm so interested to see who he's going to elect. But could you tell the verbally effective audience, you know, why is it so important to cast their vote for 2020, November? Absolutely. It's imperative. And I say this. In layman's terms, back in the day, people could not vote. Mm -hmm. Now we have the right. We have a voice. Right now, young people are on the front lines, and you see us out there protesting, making social media posts, pushing the agenda and putting pressure on some of the companies, some of the people that really just show a lot of racist behavior. Mm -hmm. So for me, November is definitely important, but don't forget that we have to show support to our local elections as well mm-hmm. because that's where you're going to start seeing a lot of change. It, it, that's how it works. You know, you have the local level, the state level, and then, of course, you have the larger levels with uh, that involves the president. But it's really important for people to vote because these are the people that we're putting in place to make decisions for your community, for your city, for your state, for the country. So when you're looking at that, Do you really feel that this person represents you in that way? And you can do your research on each individual candidate on your own and look at the policies that they're looking at passing. Look at some of the things that they've passed um, before. And I feel that that's how you should make your judgment. And I know right now, and I'm going to just say this in an unbiased way, I know right now things are really just crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at who do you want to lead the free world, who do you want to lead us? You know, I may be in a different tax bracket than other people, so they may support, you know, one candidate over the other. But I look at morals, right? I look at what's right. I look at what's fair. I look at the representation of not just one particular race, but all people. And that's what I'm going to base my decision on. Do my research, look at the candidates, 
see who has something that's worth me actually supporting and that's how I would make my decision before a young person out here that really doesn't know a lot I would suggest that you know you go online right you try to educate yourself you know you try to look at who's running for office in your district you know Shelby County has that information on their website the city of Memphis has that information on their website the state of Tennessee has that information on their website. I was just on a Zoom call with the Secretary of State, Trey Hargett, and he encouraged young people to get out and vote. He said that it's imperative. And, you know, I identify as a Democrat, and he identifies himself as a Republican. But one thing that we were able to come to the conclusion is everybody needs to vote. Mm -hmm. And just because I may disagree with you on some things, we have to still come together and look at the overall picture of all people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I want to educate people on. You know, all right, get away from, you know, oh, these races or, oh, you know, they don't like this particular race. You know, that may be true, but we also have to educate ourselves on what's going on so that for you as a person, you know, you personally know, what's right because there's a lot of misleading information out there you know people may yeah you you may see a meme and you think it's the gospel right <laughs> but you know if you're educated enough on the subject matter then you know what's what's right what's wrong and there's a lot of stuff right now that's going on that i don't necessarily agree with and that's why i say for me i'm voting for what's right you know i'm voting for you know, what I want the country to move forward with and how we can become successful, that's what I'm voting for, you know. And right now, I just don't see that. I don't think that that's happening right now. I see a lot of racial divide. Mm -hmm. And we got to get we gotta get back to, you know, what's best for everybody. And that's honestly how I feel about, you know, the upcoming election. So it's definitely imperative for our young people to vote. Um, they represent a small percentage of the voters in Memphis and in the country. So, you know, it's important that we get up, you know, we and, and we start to wake up and we start to realize what's important. You know, when you turn 18, you're able to vote. And, you know, that age range between 18 and I want to say 26, mm -hmm. that's a crucial, crucial age range because those are the people that's missing in the polls. And if we can go to the club, we can get out to the polls and vote. Right, right, right. So you're talking about really the the millennial generation at 18 to 26. It's kind of capturing some of that Gen Z on the tail end. But just to piggyback off of what you said, I totally agree. Do your research. Do your research. Mm -hmm. It is so imperative that people do their research on these candidates right now. And you know what? Something else I'm interested to see, uh, the logistics of it all when we vote. I know early voting begins Friday. And I encourage everyone to participate in early voting. But, you know, with COVID-19 in effect, how is that going to affect the polls? Like, um, I'm thinking, didn't they pass where we can vote online uh, for the upcoming elections? Or do we so, have to do in person? So absentee ballot is definitely a conversation right now that everyone is talking about because that's important. You got to think about it. Uh, what was that? Last month, you saw Georgia vote, and I heard people were in line three or four hours. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the absentee vote, it's definitely important because some people may not be able to get out because of COVID, and that's something that 
you know, some parties may be pushing. I just say this, you know, however you can, make sure you get out and vote. However you can. And, and, and when you go, try to take everybody with you. You know, for me, um, a few years ago, I joined the Marriage, Shelby County Marriage Young Professional Council, and now I serve as chair. And our job is to connect young professionals to Shelby County government through leadership, development, recruitment, and programming. So what we've been doing is encouraging people um, just, you know, the deadline uh, to vote was last week. We were encouraging people to vote, I'm sorry, register before the deadline. And now we're encouraging people to vote. And that's something that we're pushing as much as we can. We have a huge event coming up right before the presidential election about voting. And it's important that all young young people understand what type of place do you want to be on and what side you want to be on in history when all of this Mm-hmm. Because we are in unprecedented times, and I, I think this election is will be in the history books for sure for twenty twenty. Well, Eric, I appreciate you so much for talking with me today and sharing your journey on the verbally effective podcast. I'm so glad we were able to hear it today, and you have you know, just been very transparent and have given so much good advice and information for the audience. You are a shining star in Memphis and Frazier. I know Frazier appreciates you so much, Eric. I, I know that, you know, you are one of the people that really puts the work in. You're not just talking about it. You are actually doing the work. You're on your grind, and I salute you. And Sora Amanda. Tell Sora Amanda I say hello <laughs> as well. Yeah, I will. And thank you so and much I, for joining me today, Eric. Yes, and before I leave, you know, I, I definitely want to uh, say thank you for having me on board. Uh, I've seen you grow this podcast from the beginning, like I said, and, you know, to see your success. Um, and I know we've worked together on a couple of projects. This is yeah. amazing. I love what you're doing. You're allowing Uh, people in Memphis to have a voice and that's the most important thing because a lot of people's stories need to be told and I salute you for that so I thank you so much for having me I appreciate it Eric you're welcome how can everybody get in touch and follow your journey um, as of today Eric share your socials with everyone yeah so what you can do is my social media is uh, on IG, Eric underscore Hennigan, uh, H-E-N-N-E-G-H-A-N. Um, I'm on Facebook, Eric Hennigan. I'm on Twitter, Eric underscore Hennigan. Uh, I have events coming up with the Marriage and Professional Council. We have a huge voting event coming up um, in October. Um, we also have a COVID event coming up on July the 23rd with Commissioner Michael Lowry. Um, we have so many different things that are going on in the Frazier community. I sit on the board for Frazier Community Schools. Our students are going back to school next month virtually, and those are some of the decisions that I'm able to be a part of. So there's a lot of positive things coming down the pipeline. I just want to tell everybody, you know, follow me on all social media channels. I'm always trying to motivate people and promote positive things i encourage everybody else to do the same i love everybody and i appreciate y'all yes sir thank you so much eric hennigan for my 
guest on episode 128 of the Verbally Effective Podcast.